Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Saturday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, digital sports producer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined by Brian Batko, our Steelers beat reporter from Steelers headquarters on the south side for some Steelers draft reaction. Um, if if you watched the live stream last night, you got a lot of reaction from myself, Christopher Carter, Brian Batko. Um, Andrew Destin was there. Paul Zeiss was there. So you've probably heard some of this before, but if you didn't get a chance to watch that live stream and you don't want to go back through four and a half hours of conversation about draft picks, uh, Brian and I are going to distill things down a little bit and and just talk about the draft picks from day two forward. Um, obviously, we did a video about Broderick Jones on the North Shore Drive earlier in the week, so we're going to kind of just work forward with Joey Porter Jr. With that, Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, Adam. It's going to be a long wait now in between pick 132 and 241. Um, but actually, I guess that last check, this draft is moving pretty quickly here on Saturday. So maybe it won't be too bad. Yes, we are recording this shortly after the Steelers uh, drafted uh, Nate, or excuse me, Nick Herbig. I'm going to get them I'm going to get them confused 80 yeah. times. Uh, but Nick Herbig was the selection after they traded back into the fourth round late last night. Um, we're going to get into him in a bit, but Brian, I, I want to start with Joey Porter Jr. I think he's the big headline for a lot of people. Um, he's a guy we talked a lot about on our mock draft videos leading up to the draft. Uh, what do you think of the selection of, of Joey Porter Jr. finally becoming a reality? Yeah, I just think it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, not a lot of people, I don't think, projected that the Steelers could get both Porter Jr. and one of the top tackles in this class in the same draft. And lo and behold, that's exactly how it worked out. Give Omar Khan credit for playing the board in the first round the way he did, especially when he's able to move back here a little bit later in the fourth and still get a guy that I think they probably wanted at a position uh, that they needed to address in, in Nick Herbig at outside linebackers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, that they need a player like that in their secondary. They haven't had a player like that in a long time as one of their outside corners. It's a difficult, you know, it's a tough road to, uh, to hoe in, in the AFC, especially in the North with the passing games uh, that the Bengals, Browns, and and even possibly Ravens as they restock uh, their receiver room can present to you. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how Porter fits in if he forces his way onto the field right away as a starter, or if he needs to wait in the wings and learn a little bit behind a guy like Patrick Peterson or Levi Wallace, you know, that's not the worst thing either. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the way the Steelers more used to operate uh, when they were winning at a high level or in those first rounders didn't have to be immediate impact contributors. Guys like Cam Hayward and uh, Bud Dupree, I mean, they, they were able to be worked in uh, a little bit slowly, even TJ Watt. Um, so maybe that could be the, the trick for Porter too is, uh, can be the best of both worlds where, um, you know, if he plays well in camp and he looks like he's ready to roll, great. Uh, you know, you've got an, an extra first round pick almost uh, with that that first pick in the second round. Uh, but if he needs some more seasoning, uh, you can probably afford to to bring him along slowly as well. 
Ball production was obviously the big criticism, I think, of, of Joey Porter throughout this process. Um, you know, as Andrew Destin pointed out on the stream last night, he really just wasn't targeted very much. So there wasn't a ton of opportunity. I think it was only 20 times after he was targeted 10 times against Purdue covering uh, a Charlie Jones, the the great wide receiver out there. Um, Brian, what do you what do you make of the argument that that the ball production wasn't there and therefore maybe it didn't justify this pick? I mean, I get it. It's a fair criticism, but I do think there's something to be said for, you know, probably a lot of college quarterbacks don't want to throw at the six foot three dude who is shadowing their outside receiver uh, up and down the field. So, um, you know, that's part of it. No doubt. Uh, you, you'd love to have a guy get more than what one pick in his college career, because I think sometimes that that does translate that playmaking from the college to the NFL level. Mike Tomlin has even said that. In the past, you know, he, he likes to draft defensive backs uh, who make a lot of plays on the ball and, and force a lot of turnovers. But Steelers drafting of defensive backs hasn't always worked out that well in recent years either. So maybe that's, uh, you know, not necessarily the approach they need to continue uh, looking at there. So maybe, maybe on, on that front, Joey Porter Jr. will be a good departure from the norm. I mean, I think the other just, you know, weakness more or less in his game is the stop start change of direction acceleration um you know not everybody is is going to have every club in their bag as a corner uh, if he had that at his size and at his physicality he'd have been a top five pick you know so uh, those players are rare um it's just going to be a matter of uh, is he able to make that leap from the big 10 to the nfl when it comes to keeping up with some of those quicker shiftier um you know long speed type of receivers. That's why I don't think you'll ever see him probably playing in the slot and covering a guy like a Charlie Jones who just went off the board in the fourth round of the Bengals one pick before the Steelers got their man in Nick Herbig. So, um, but that said, you know, you, you've got a player, you know, T Higgins is essentially the wide receiver version of that uh, for the Bengals. He's not somebody who's uh, going to be able to make you miss in the phone booth, but he's big and he'll win contested catch battles down the sideline. Now, if you've got Porter to put over there, could be a whole different ball game. So that's that's what he's bringing to the table for this group. I know Joey Porter made a surprise appearance uh, down at the South Side last night. He was in town, decided to just come down to the facility and, and you know, talk to reporters about, you know, how he was feeling about falling out of the first round, obviously. So there was some disappointment there, but obviously some jubilation ending up with his father's team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, Brian, can you just give me a quick recap of, of what Joey Porter had to say about the selection and, and what you what your sense of his mood was? Yeah, it, it really was a family affair. I mean, not only was he here with his his parents, but, you know, he had a lot of friends in the area, you know, like former trainers. Uh, I assume some uh, some friends from high school as, as well, being that he went to North Allegheny and before that North Catholic. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a full circle kind of journey and story. For him, I think everybody by now has probably seen the photo of Joey uh, Sr. holding Joey Jr. And then the people around here call him JJ. Uh, I was talking to Cam Hayward uh, the other day uh, for a story that's on the site. We talked about Joey Porter Jr. and Nick Herbig in that story. So that aged pretty well. Um, but they call him JJ around here for Joey Jr. And everybody saw that photo of his dad holding him, I think, in his arms after one of the Super Bowl victories. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool. And for him, it, it was just the right kind of salve on the wound of uh, not getting picked while he was out there at the draft in Kansas City. And, you know, the other big takeaway for me from listening to to Joey Jr. is just, um, you know, he knows it's a lot to live up to. 
he knows it's you know lofty expectations whereas if you go to uh the jets you know your dad's just a just a guy to most of those fans whereas here he's a a franchise great and you know a legendary former player a fan favorite uh back in his day so um that's you know heavy lies the crown he's gonna have porter on the back of his jersey uh there's no running away from that but now it's his it's kind of on him to level up and leave you know leave his own mark leave his own name for himself even though he does have the the exact same name as his dad except with junior instead of senior so um you know that'll be really fun to track and and follow over these years um you know you just look at the type of player he is um you know they've taken their shot on taller longer corners in the past justin lane just a few years ago obviously did not pan out he was a complete bust for the steelers um but this is a better prospect he was uh, you know i think has better tape from the same league uh, that Lane played in. So um, we'll see what they can do. Uh, it's, it's time to buck that trend of, uh, of failed cornerback draft picks, especially big ones who can run and uh, have all the measurables. Now you got to coach them up. I want to get into Keanu Benton, who was obviously the second second round pick uh, later in the night. He He's a guy who was not really on our board. I don't, I don't think I put him in any of our mock draft trackers right up until – basically Friday night or you know, Friday morning before um, he was drafted, ultimately drafted by the Steelers. That was the first time I saw him in mock drafts, but people seem very pleased with the pick as well. Brian, what's your read of that situation? Yeah, I, mean, I, I would disagree with you there, Adam. I think I saw him linked to the Steelers a decent amount. And I mean, you can't get to everybody, right? I mean, there's so many, so many prospects and players and Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin even said it uh, in the same room I'm sitting in right now on Monday that, you know, between the college all-star games Benton was a senior bowl guy, as I recall, and the Steelers were uh, kind of taking a close look at him down there in Mobile. But between those college all-star games, the combine, the individual players' pro days, and then coming in for pre-draft visits, which he did. He was one of the 30 visits. Um, They just talked to so many players. But Benton was somebody who I think they were long interested in because he does have that right combination of size, strength, production, versatility, um, you know, I, I know when people were talking about potentially taking a D lineman in the first round, there was the narrative of, hey, you, you need to find Cam Hayward's successor, somebody you can groom to kind of you know take the hand off of the baton in the Steelers front three or four, whatever you want to call it, uh, and set themselves up for the next generation. At 49 overall, you know, I don't know that Benton is quite that uh, caliber of player, but it's all relative. I mean, what did you expect to get in the middle of the second round? I, I think he's still a pretty solid pick for them there. Um, basically, if, if Benton is your, you know, your least sexy pick of a draft in a lot of ways, uh, I, I think I think you're doing pretty well for yourself. So um, it's just going to be good flexibility wise that he can come in and play the traditional nose tackle if they want to line up in that 3-4 against a a team like the Browns or the Ravens, or he can have some juice to get after the quarterback uh, when they're in their nickel or dime defense. Um, You know, those are all areas where he might be able to help right away. Or once again, like Joey Porter Jr., uh, maybe he can be brought along slowly, just get his feet wet as a rookie, and a bigger role uh, will, will be in store for him down the road. Yeah, I want to. What is down the road look like for you in terms of the idea? I mean, obviously, the best case scenario, he's he's a five time Pro Bowler and and kind of becomes a, a Cam Hayward type on there. But realistically, what what do you think that the that role will be that he could grow into? How, how do you see that taking shape? Depends how the D line takes shape, right? I mean, you know, Cam Hayward, 
not getting any younger. He's still playing at a high level, but I mean, I, I think he's, he's at a point in his career now where he does reevaluate things after every offseason. How do you not when, you know, you've got a, a, a young family, three kids, you've, you've done a lot individually to this point. Um, you know, if they, heck, if they hoist a Lombardi trophy, who's to say he wouldn't walk away. Larry Ogunjobi is, is back on a two, uh, three-year deal, I believe. But I mean, it's, it's those typical backloaded contracts where, you know, he's had injury history and, and concerns as well. And, and beyond the two kind of old dogs of the group, you got to see how some of the young dogs of the group uh, come along or don't. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, Keanu Benton's for, former teammate uh, up there in Madison, Isaiah Loudermilk. So um, he could be anywhere from a, a guy who needs to kind of carry the mantle uh, if he plays well and improves he can do that. Uh, or he'll be someone who can can afford to just be a role player or say, you know, ninth or 10th best starter on the defense if, if all the talent around them comes to fruition. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Brian, the next pick was another Georgia Bulldog, uh, Darnell Washington, the tight end. Um, a lot of people really loved him as maybe a high second-round pick. He ends up falling late into the third. The Steelers also were able to trade back to get him so that we can talk about Nick Herbig after this. But um, I think a lot of people are very excited about this Darnell Washington pick. Um, but what's the latest you've heard before we get into his game on the medicals? Because there was some concern last night that that's why he, he fell. Yeah, I mean, I don't, definitely some rumblings in, in the draft, uh, the media room uh, during the draft Friday night about that. And, you know, the Steelers had him in on a pre-draft visit, which Mike Tomlin himself said earlier this week that bringing those players in can can happen for a lot of different reasons. Maybe they didn't get a chance to meet them uh, on the, the all-star circuit or the pro day circuit or the combine. Maybe they uh, want to get a closer look at the medicals. I'm, I'm going to assume that uh, both of those could be true for Washington. He's a you know third-year junior, uh, obviously wasn't at any of the showcase games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those difficult – you don't know what exactly the Steelers and the other 31 teams have on him. Um, you know, he talked to us on the phone about it last night, was pretty honest. Like, you know, he had a couple injuries in college, a, a, an ankle and then I think a foot surgery. And I, I want to say he told us last night it was a little bit hard to hear at his draft party because they were all so pumped for him out there in Vegas where he's from. Um, and he's got a great, great story, Darnell Washington. If anybody wants to uh, kind of look that up a little bit, you can find some some cool videos that have been done on his his path on YouTube. It's really impressive. But um, I mean, he was pretty forthright about some teams were concerned about his knees. Uh, they they noticed some swelling, you know, following the season. He's a, obviously a huge guy who plays a position where uh, you're not just you know in line blocking all game like a lineman. Uh, you need to get out and run. You need to make people miss in space. Uh, he's six seven, you know, two, two fifty, two fifty five, two sixty, 260, you know, depending on what he ate, I guess, the night before. But um, that, that I think, is a little bit of a concern. And one thing I heard a, a lot about him just listening to some of the draft analysts in, in the run-up um, to this week uh, before that I even knew that he would necessarily be on the Steelers' radar. I think we all knew he was once he visited. But um, it, it, it's this idea of, like, He's such a large man. He's going to be such a big target running around in this league. Like, is he going to take a lot of brutal hits from inside linebackers and 
safeties. Um, you know, he's going to win his fair share of those collisions, no doubt about it. You can find that uh, on YouTube as well uh, if you look up his Darnell Washington's highlight reel. But um, it, it could be a, a, a situation where it's difficult for uh, a man of his stature and with his uh, you know unique athleticism to stay healthy because it's just a violent game and he plays it violently to his credit and hopefully for him and for the Steelers, not to his detriment down the line. What is his role here, Brian? Um, you know, assuming everything works out in terms of he's ready for training camp, he's ready to be, you know, make a make a play to be in this lineup. What what do you see as his role? Obviously, with with Pat Fryermuth also still in the building, I think there's a wide range of outcomes for what Darnell Washington's role could be. I mean, there's a projection there. He wasn't utilized very much as a pass catcher at Georgia. You see flashes of it for sure. He, he could very well become a dangerous weapon uh, with the ball in his hands. In, in route running at the NFL level, but it's just not really there on the tape yet. So um, if it takes him a little bit of time uh, or, or maybe it just never happens, uh, then perhaps you don't see much of him as a rookie. Maybe he's one of those guys who's inactive um, for, for that first season for most of the games, unless there's an injury. But I would say on the other end of that spectrum, Adam, maybe he comes right in here and adds a completely different dimension and, and helps this offense level up in year three for Matt Canada, year two for Kenny Pickett because you know he can get out in front and and pave the way for Najee Harris and I, I think he's just the ideal positional complement to a guy like Pat Fryermuth who will be the first to tell you and admit that his blocking is you know a work in progress and, and something he's still constantly trying to improve year in and year out but now it's almost just like hey if we're in 12 personnel you don't need to worry about that Pat you, you get down the field and we've got this sixth alignment essentially who's going to be out there knocking heads, um, but he calls himself a tight end. So uh, that, I think, is is why the Steelers just couldn't couldn't pass up, couldn't you know stop the quote-unquote medical slide for Washington. And it's it's going to be really, really intriguing to see uh, what he can bring to the table. And, and it's going to be – he's going to be one of those guys that everybody's got the, you know, the eyes for uh, in, in training camp and, and even, you know, in these preseason games, I think, down the road. Uh, to see what kind of player he can be and how they use him. Nick Herbig was the fourth round pick. Uh, he is the brother of Nate Herbig, the free agent guard the Steelers just signed. What'd you say, Brian? But of course he is. Uh, another set of brothers on the Steelers. I guess what's what's your reaction to that? Because I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Hey, this is pretty weird." It's funny. Like, I mean, I, I will say. Um, you know, it, it is weird. It is uncanny is probably the right word for it at this point. Um, I, I assume that when Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan come chat with us to sum up the draft in its totality, uh, you know, he'll be asked about it or they'll bring it up on their own and they'll say, look, guys, and this is what they said last year about Connor Hayward. Look, it's not because he's uh, the brother of one of our current players. It's because, you know, we like him as his own individual prospect in a vacuum, even if his name was Nick Bittner. Um, they'll say all the right things, um, but clearly they do also value, uh, you know, the, the football character, uh, the competitive character, the bloodlines in this way. And it's it's probably just as simple as if you've got two prospects uh, ranked similarly, Herbig and another edge rusher, say Clemson's KJ Henry, who, who went shortly thereafter uh, to another team uh, that I can't put my finger on at the moment. Um, maybe you just trust that all the things we like about Nate Herbig and his makeup Nick Herbig's got the same stuff. So, um, you know, I think that was was certainly a factor in, you know, in the Connor Hayward pick last year, uh, not in a nepotism way, keep Cam happy 
kind of way. Um, but just, you know, we trust, we trust the DNA here essentially. And we feel like this guy is just a football player and is going to make plays. And, you know, to their credit, I, I would say Connor Hayward did that as a rookie in whatever role that they put him in. And let's be honest, it's, it's vastly different situations than the last few brothers they added. Um, you know, all due respect to Nate Herbig, he's probably not even a starter on this team. So I don't think they really care about uh, throwing him a bone or keeping a guy happy when he's been a Steeler for all of a month or so. Uh, this is just how it worked out. And uh, it sure makes for a fun storyline for us uh, in the media, the fans. And, and obviously, it's just an incredible moment for the Herbig brothers and, and their entire family. His Their parents actually lived with Nick Herbig uh, at, you know, like in their apartment in Madison with some of his teammates. So I asked them on the conference call, my like, hey, are your parents just going to move here now? I mean, you might as well bring the whole the whole clan from Hawaii uh, up here to Pittsburgh now that uh, they do have an oldest brother who is not a football player in, of any repute. Um, but other than that, uh, they've pretty much got the whole squad here now in, in uh, the Steel City. Yeah, that is a neat, it's a neat story. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the football as well, Brian. Is Was this the perfect spot for an edge for the Steelers? Because obviously they needed that third guy. But there was a lot of debate about, you know, how good do you want that guy to be considering you already have Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. I shouldn't probably couch it that way. I'd say how much of a premium pick do you want to invest with those guys in the building? This is a fourth round pick. I, I would say it's it's you're getting into lottery ticket territory where you, you kind of just need some depth. Right. And if he turns out to be a great player, then great. But at least you have a guy that you feel good about in that kind of third uh, edge rusher role. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that it is the perfect spot. Um, yes, you, you want all your players to be good, Adam, but you want them to be very good. But I know what you're saying. Uh, it's it's a, a matter of draft capital and, and resources, even if there was a great player on the board to you as an edge rusher at 32 um, and in, in a vacuum, you think he's the best player available. You just don't need to spend that pick on that position because, um, you know, you've already addressed that. You've already got two great players at that position. So thank your former self and, you know, uh, try to help your future self uh, at a different spot of need. And uh, that's why I think it, this draft has played out really well for the Steelers. It's the best one uh, that I can remember for them. Uh, you know, I've been covering the team since 2019. I think this is the strongest draft that I've seen, obviously on paper, everything's just on paper right now. It's always easy to say that. Um, and, and you should expect that when you've got that extra second round pick in the mix to, to bolster your haul. But, uh, you know, I think even with all these slots that they've had, they've just made the right moves, it, at least to me. Um, you know, I had Herbig in my mock draft on Monday as well, in addition uh, to Broderick Jones. So, I mean, I clearly thought he was a player who fit well with what they want to do. And, I mean, that number three edge rusher role, it is important. Um, you know, we saw last year it's doubly important and kind of, I guess, infinitely more important when T.J. Watt gets injured but even when everybody's healthy you know you've got to play 10 15 20 snaps a game just to give those other guys a break and you know there are concerns and questions about how Herbig can hold up as a run defender at 6'2 240 I mean two of the things that uh or one of the things that make both Watt and Highsmith uh so good or, or what they can do against the run uh in addition to the pass so that that might not be or that's I guess I should say is an area where Herbig is going to have to improve or at least uh you know, show that he can hold up at, at this level doing that. But I think when you put him in situational ball, third downs or whatever, to pin his ear back, his ears back and go get the quarterback as a rotational outside linebacker, uh, man, I mean, you just watch his film and he, he does kind of look like a 
TJ Watt light type of guy. I mean, that's what they want dudes to do in that Wisconsin defense. And that's what he did for them with 36 tackles for loss and uh, more than 20 sacks over his three seasons there. We do not currently know who the Steelers are selecting in the seventh round or if they've traded back into the, the fifth or sixth round as we're recording this. Any of, would you say, Brian? Two excellent players, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, and they will be, we'll have everyone breaking them down this week. Uh, tune in to Christopher Carter on the North Shore Drive on Monday. Uh, I'm not sure whose guest is going to be, but I'll guess it's going to be Ray Fittipaldo. Uh, just because we didn't get a chance to hear from him really since um, since Thursday night. So, um, Brian, before we wrap up here, I guess my last question for you is anything interesting happening around the division, any names that really caught your eye? Because I know there were some guys we talked a lot about as possible picks for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I, from what I've seen so far, it seems like the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens are after a lot of the same prospects as the Steelers. I mean, I think you can chalk up a lot of that to inherently just, you know, being in this part of the country. Terrell Austin brought this up on Friday night, which I always think is a real thing and, and sometimes gets overlooked. I mean, you're playing in these cold weather December games in the AFC North. I mean, the biggest games that you have to win to make it to where you want to go, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers or any team in this division, are probably going to be in the snow in January. So you've got to have guys who um, are, are built for that, can handle that. Um, you, you don't need a whole team of that, obviously. You need speedsters, too, and they can come from all over the country. But I think there is something to be said for uh, why you see these same these four teams pursuing a lot of the same types of, of players and, in some instances, the same specific names. So when I see the Browns get you know pretty decent value picks of Siaki Ika, the nose tackle from Baylor, or Dewan Jones, uh, the humongous right tackle out of Ohio State, I, I don't bat an eye at that. When I see the Bengals snag Charlie Jones, one pick before the Steelers uh, to, to be, you know, maybe the successor to Tyler Boyd or just a compliment to Tyler Boyd as a slot receiver there. Th that doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, the Ravens taking a guy like Zay Flowers uh, to, to try to just get open for Lamar Jackson left and right. I mean, I, I think every team in the division is is making some pretty shrewd moves in this draft. You aren't see them going way off the board with some of their picks, like I think the Patriots and 49ers have done to this point. And, and even the Eagles have made some odd ones, but um, obviously they're not in the division, but they get the benefit of the doubt uh, considering they made the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, um, you know, what, what this, uh, you know, is how this impacts, I guess, um, you know, what the Steelers are going to be in 2023 are they really leaning into the run first identity when you look at the guys like broderick jones and darnell washington um are they, are they going to kind of let kenny pickett uh continue to be somewhat more of a game manager than force him to to win games on his own with his right arm i, I think that's the direction they're clearly trying to go and the, the draft signals that yet again a little bit but uh to wrap it up you know the other three teams that they'll see twice a year uh, are also making moves that fit uh, with with their mo. So uh, I can I expect it, anticipate it to be yet another rough and tumble season uh, in the AFC uh, North Hot Kitchen, as Mike Tomlin likes to say. Absolutely. Well, Brian, I'm going to let you get back in there, get back to the uh, the action that is continuing to uh, that is ongoing. And like I said, everyone, make sure you're signed signed up, subscribe to this channel, um, so that you get all of our post draft content, all of the you know deeper analysis. Uh, that we're going to do over the next handful of months. Um, we've had a great weekend with everyone. So thank you once again for joining us for the live stream. And thank you for joining us today. Uh, Brian, any final thoughts? 
Uh, no, if there's any brothers or family members, uh, keep an eye on them for the seventh round pick, or maybe some pit, some pit players who slide down into the seventh round. Uh, let's let's keep making these familiar face kind of selections, Adam. Yes, yes, that makes it a lot easier for us, which is the most important thing. So, for sure. All right, All right well, take care, everyone. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.